Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Touching people's lives tonight. Lord, thank you for healing bodies, even right now in this place. For the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, backs, Lord, that have been just kind of bent out of shape. Lord, we're just asking you to cause to be straightened out by your grace, by your power tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for moving in every person in this place. Thank you for salvations even tonight. For people crossing that line out of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus and he is the light of the world. Oh, we thank you, Father, for people even being filled with your spirit tonight. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Well, why don't you greet one another and you may be seated. Good to have you here this evening. And uh, welcome everybody. On July 25th, we had 40 people take applications. And so there's great interest in this. And uh, 10 people have gotten back with their uh, registration all filled out and ready to go. This is something that is a home missions that we're doing here at Heart of the Bay. This will not cost you anything but transportation to get there. There's 30 different areas that you can serve in on that 25th of July, uh, where they'll be meeting at the Warfield at 9 a.m. in the morning for praise and worship in the Word, and then hitting the Tenderloin with about 30 different outreaches from 11 to 3 or so, and then with a final service from 4 to 6. Francis Chan's going to be there. Also, Matthew Barnett from the Dream Center is going to be there. It's a real good thing. And so we are reaching out. Amen? Then also, I'm excited about this. Pastor Kimberly's outlining my Sunday morning messages. So last Sunday, Spiritually Fit, Strength Endures on the table back there. I highly recommend you get it. Not because it's I, because I taught it, but because it is the Word of God. And I know that some people learn real well by seeing visibly and by reading and other, other ways. But this is just something you should have in your library so that this can equip you all week long and get the Word of God in your spirit. Amen? You all may be seated, and tonight I want to talk to you about a really good subject. I'm going to call it Trust in Action. Trust in Action. So if you look in your Bibles this evening to James, the book of James, and we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children's ministry at this time. You all have a great class, and uh, be blessed as you go. But in James, the second chapter, and the 14th verse... Uh, And I've got a different translation here, so I'd like to pull it up in the King James first, and I'll read to you what I have. James chapter 2 and verse 14. When you have it, say, I have it. I I don't have it yet. All right. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works or have not actions, actions of faith? Can faith save him? Can faith save him? Very interesting. Now, look back at James chapter 1 and verse 22. And notice with me in that particular verse. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, we know for sure that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Christ, the anointed one, and the anointed and his anointing. And so when we hear a word from the Bible, 
When we hear a word from the Lord, faith comes. When we hear a rhema word from the Holy Spirit, faith comes. But faith coming does not necessarily mean that we are going to realize the manifestation of what we have heard and what caused faith to come. Faith is faith coming is the first step, but then acting on what you have heard is the second step, and then that is what brings manifestation. That's why he says, but be doers of the word, or action on the word of God, and not hearers only. I've discovered this, that the men and women that do the word are the men and women that are blessed in their doing. We also realize other scriptures like this, for example, so also faith, in verse 17 of chapter 2, faith, if it does not have works or actions, deeds of obedience to back it up, by itself it is destitute of power, inoperative or dead. And so then, faith without corresponding actions or works of faith do not produce results. So I encourage you to be a doer of the word, practice the word of God, put it into practice. You know, there's a lot of talkers about the word. There's a lot of even rejoicers about the word. But truth be told, there's just not as many doers of the word that there needs to be. But say this with me real strong. I'm a doer. I am a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. So what does that mean? Dad Hagen in his book, when he talks about how to train the human spirit, said this. He said, begin to practice being a doer of the Word by doing in all circumstances what the Word tells you to do. Then he goes on to say, being a doer of the Word means that you do are to do primarily what is written in the epistles. These are the letters written to us, the church. So when the Word of God tells us to walk in love, then it is our responsibility to walk in that love that God has placed down on the inside of us. Well, what does it mean to, to walk in love? I mean, that can be a little blind to us. Does that mean we're, you know, to walk around with some sort of a, you know, fake smile on our face and just loving everybody and just, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips in life? No. You've got to know what the characteristics of this God kind of love are. And you find that very clearly, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And let me just demonstrate what this love is. Love is patient. So if I'm going to walk in love, I can't be walking around like I'm all impatient with everything and everybody. Love is kind. Love is kind even to the unkind. Love is kind even to people that you just rather punch. <laughs> the love of God on the inside of you is kind. And it endures long. This love that's on the inside of you and I, hey, it's not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful or it doesn't hold grudges. This love that's in us does not take account of the evil done to it. Man, you're walking in love when you start paying no attention to a suffered wrong. <laughs> Amen? And so those are just some of the characteristics of the love of God. So if we're going to be a doer of the love of God, then we will be demonstrating those things in our lives. And we must practice that. 
Because if you're like me, you've failed many times in that area. You know, we've, we've all fallen. We've all uh, maybe not walked in the degree of love that's on the inside of us. But thank God we can get back up and hit her again. Amen. Amen. Be doers of the word. All right. Now, so we understand that faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Say that with me. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. So here's a key. We've got to go beyond just saying what we believe and start acting on what we believe. Now I'm going to throw another phrase out at you, and I want you to say it with me. Faith is, Faith is acting, on acting on what I believe. Now go over to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and look, look with me at verse 35 to 38. Real faith works, or real faith has actions along with it. Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience or of endurance, that after you have done the will of God. Notice that. After what? Not before you do the word of God do you receive the promise. You receive the promise after you've done the will of God. Amen? So, you get a promise, you hear a promise, then you do the promise. You act on that promise. And then it goes on to say that you may receive the promise. Now, here's where a lot of people miss it. When it comes to receiving the promise, they kind of go into this mode of passive waiting. I'm just sort of waiting on the Lord. I'm just sort of waiting for the Lord to, to do this. I'm sort of waiting for the Lord to move on my behalf. No, you receive from the Lord after you do the will of the Lord. Now, if you don't know the will of the Lord, you can't receive from the Lord. But thank God we do know the will of the Lord. What do you mean the will of the Lord? The will of God is found in the Word of God. If you want to find out what the will of God is for your life, open up the book and you'll discover the will of God. Amen? And for those areas that you're not quite sure about, that you can't find a scripture on, you've got the teacher, the comforter, the guide living on the inside of you. You've got a, glory to God, you've got a compass on the inside. Say it with me, I've got, got a guide on the inside. Verse 37. For yet a little while, he that will come, will come, will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, that's you and me. But if any man draw back, that's not you and me. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. If any man draw back from what? If any man draws back from walking by faith and acting on the word of God. See, without faith we cannot please God. Without trust we can't please him. And a part of trust is being a doer of God's word. You guys are sharp. You're getting this, aren't you? Say with me, I'm getting it, Pastor. Verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but we are those that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen? The ESV says that he's not pleased with those who turn back in fear. So we don't have to cower down in fear. We can forge ahead in faith by the grace of God. Now I want to deal with something that's important for us to see. Tony Cook did a tremendous job the other week when he taught 
on faith and works and so forth. Let me just reiterate a couple of points. Turn quickly to Ephesians, the second chapter, the eighth verse. What happened to my water? Oh, my water. You know, you've got you to gotta stay hydrated. Verse 8. For by grace are you saved through what? Through trust and faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of what? Not of works. Lest any man should boast, for we are his what? We're the handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we're not saved by works, but once we are saved, then we should be doing and manifesting good works. Amen. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, much of the body of Christ, when they hear this word works, it reminds me of Maynard G. Krebs. You don't remember Maynard G. Krebs, but I remember him as clear as a bell. Maynard G. Krebs was on the Dobie Gillis show when I was a little boy, and when the word work would be said, he'd go, work! He was a beatnik. He didn't like to work, anyway. So there's a lot of people on the body of Christ that are going, works! Not, not too good of an illustration, but we're doing all right. But they say, well, works, that's bad, that's bad. No, we're not justified for, by works, but we're created unto good works. Amen? Now, we are not attempting justification, which means salvation, basically. Being placed into right standing of God. We are not attempting justification through the works of the flesh. Amen? But where you and I are headed, as word people... We are, met, we are heading toward the manifestations that God has for us and the manifestations of the promises of God that he has for us through our actions of faith. Through our actions of faith. Not trying to get something because of our works, but once we've got it, we are walking it out and we're acting on the word of God. How many of you see it? Say amen. So... There's too much emphasis on no works. We do nothing ever, some people say. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on the Lord. It's all up to Him. That's a deception. It'd be like the sinner saying, I'm just waiting on the Lord. To save me. In fact, he already has saved them and made salvation available to them. So they're not really waiting on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on their faith, their actions of faith, so that they can receive the manifestation of salvation in their lives. Amen? So I can't, you can't, we can't leave up to him what he's left up to us. Now, I want to show you something tonight in 2 Kings chapter 7. So let's turn over there. Let's look at verse 1, and we'll begin there. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. Speak to us through your word. May the eyes of our hearts be flooded with light. It's the entrance of your word that giveth light. 
Help us, Lord, to see what we need to see. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 said, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And uh, understand that this is a very serious word. That means famine time. That means people aren't eating. And then in verse 2, Then a Lord on whose the hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? I mean, he's just being sassy and being ugly. And he said, Behold, you'll see it with your eyes, but you ain't going to eat, boy. You're not going to eat. So the picture is people are starving. And there were, verse 3, how many leprous men? There were four. Now notice with me, they were at the entering in of the gate. The lepers were not allowed inside the city. They had to sit outside, if you will, of the city because they were basically unclean. And so these four lepers were there at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here until we die? I mean, these lepers already are experiencing a living death. Now, I've never seen a leper, but I know Adam Burnell and his wife, they go to India a lot, and the people at Jubilee go to India a lot, and leprosy is not a pretty disease. It is a very devastating disease. And so they looked at each other, and they said, Hey, why sit here till we die? I mean, we're <laughs> look at us. And this is what a lot of Christians do. They may not have leprosy. But they just sit there in the same circumstance for years and for decades. And they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And many of them are just saying, well, I'm just waiting on God. It's all up to him. What if the four lepers would have just stayed there? I guarantee you, they would have died. They weren't waiting on the Lord. Any more than a lost person is waiting on Jesus to save them. Say amen. amen. Faith, listen. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. So the question is, they asked one another, why sit here till I die? Verse 4. He said, if we say, we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we'll die there. And if we sit here, guess what, guys? We'd be dead. <laughs> Now, therefore, because of this, come on, let us fall under the host of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, in other words, if they feed us, men, hey, we're in good shape. We'll live. But if they kill us, we're going to die. There was not 
one hint of fear about those four lepers. They were in dire straits. And they said, you know what? I'm going to take up my bed (laughs) and I'm going to walk. And I'm putting my life over into their hands. Now, fear is a diabolical, paralyzing force that'll keep you sitting and sitting and waiting and waiting for the troubling of the water and waiting for something to happen. And it produces bondage in people's lives. In the book of Hebrews it says, well, we, we better turn that. I don't want to get in too big a hurry. Let's keep your finger over there. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. I want you to see this, to get this. Hebrews chapter 2. Thank God he didn't give us a spirit of fear. I believe that God wants to get us so spiritually fit and so spiritually keen that we can smell it when it turns the corner. And it's out there. But it must be kept here. Amen? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read together. Ready, read. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now stop right there. Through his death, his burial and resurrection, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is who? The devil. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Jesus literally pulverized and paralyzed the spirit of fear. He destroyed him for you, and he destroyed him for me. On our spiritual chest ought to be these words, ain't no fear here. Now notice with me the next verse. This is Revelation. Look at verse 15. 15. And, not only did he destroy and pulverize the power of the enemy, but he also delivered us, who through the fear of death, we're all of our lifetime subject to bondage. Fear never, ever produces liberty. Fear never produces freedom. I don't know about you, but I know about Mark Thomas. I know that before that I was born again, I was subject to bondage because I was bound up by fear. But when I received Jesus... And when you receive Jesus, hallelujah, that lifetime of fear became a dead issue in the mind and the eyes of God. And when you get a revelation of it in your heart's mind and eyes, it's a dead issue to you. Now, instead of bondage, we've got the spirit of liberty. Say with me, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I've written this in my notes. Listen to this very carefully. We must regularly resist fear, 
Keep it under our feet, therefore continuously overcome fear and the fear of death. Otherwise, fear will cause us to sit in bondage rather than rise up and take steps and actions of faith to receive our miracle. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm on the move. I'm moving with God. In Him I live. In Him I move. And in Him I have my being. Glory to God. If there's one person that's going to get their manifestation, it's going to be me. And it's going to be you. And it's going to be this church. It's going to be this bunch right here. Hallelujah. I anticipate the inevitable. Supernatural intervention of God. I expect a miracle. I expect a healing. I expect clarity of mind. Strength of spirit. Overflow of finances. I expect my grandchildren to talk in tongues. Hallelujah. They're already saved. That's overflow there. Thank you, Lord. So overcome the fear of death, otherwise fear will cause you to sit in bondage rather than rise up and take steps and get your miracle. What these four lepers did not do is they did not stay under a cloud of dread. Dread is the opposite of hope. Hope is the expectation of good. Dread is the expectation of evil and bad. It comes from the spirit of fear. They didn't stay under a cloud of dread and death, but they had vision and they had trust. They basically said, let's get up and go. And so what they did is they got up and they moved. Everyone say they moved. moved. Now notice verse 5. And they rose up in the twilight. There's something about rising up. To go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Can't you just see these guys? Walking over to the camp of the Syrians, you know they're bracing themselves. When they got there, there was no man there. Why was that? Because when they got up, God got up. When they got up, God got up. Ha-ha. When, when you get up, God gets up. Hallelujah. When I get up, God gets up. When you get up, God gets up. When you get moving, God gets moving. ha <laughs> Glory to God. Well, I've done it again. I preach myself happy. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. But when they rose up, God arose. And were not their enemies scattered? Isn't this a picture? If it happened for them, don't you suppose it can happen for us? See, what the enemy wants to do, he wants us to get into a circle of fear where we're afraid to move. I'm telling you, let's move. Verse 6. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Wow. And a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, I guess so. And they said one to another, 
They weren't looking at things from a spiritual perspective. They were people that didn't know God. They said, well, the king of Israel hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come up upon us. And here it was four sick guys. Four sick guys. Don't tell me that four sick guys can't change the world. Don't tell me that four disgruntled people who get their act together and their lives change can't change the world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So why, why is this happening? What, why this noise of the chariots? Why is God moving? Because God, listen, he is using what they are doing. God will use what you do. What they did caused his power to be released. And what you do causes his power to intersect with your actions of faith. That's faith. Verse 7. Wherefore, they arose and they fled in the twilight and they left their tents. I mean, they did not stick around. These guys were absolutely afraid. And they left their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Can't you just see it? They probably had prime rib on the spigot and left their Rolexes in the tent and all their nice fine linen and their clothes. I mean, they were out of there. They were literally scared to death. In verse 8, And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they got into one tent and did eat and drink. And they carried silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went into the and hid it. They ate, drank, the Rolexes were there. Would you say they had a miracle? Would you say they experienced the goodness of God? Absolutely they did. But it all started with a question that they asked among themselves. Why sit here till we die? Why, why put up with this junk anymore? Why put up with this strife in our relationship anymore? Let's, let's get out of this strife-filled relationship and let's move on up into the love of God. Amen? Why sit here all cold spiritually and lukewarm and all critical and just all bummed out all the time? And why, why sit here like that? Let's get up from that. Let's rise up. God will meet people like that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Say with me, this happened when they got up. And it happens for me. When I get up, God gets up. Hallelujah. So, what, what this calls for in my life, and what this calls for in your life, it calls for some changes. It really does. If you're not getting results, don't keep doing what you've been doing. Amen? I can't think of that statement. Maxwell uses it a lot. If, some, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten. 
If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. So if you want to get something different than what you've been getting, then you've got to change what you're doing. It's just as simple as that. Amen? Verse 9. And they said to one another, we're not doing well here. This is a day of good tidings. This is awesome. And here we are holding our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Woo! I mean, they were blessed, but they realized that their blessing was a blessing that they should share. Say this with me. My God works with and through people of faith. He's waiting for people to get up and move. Get up and move. Way back in the 70s when, when I was just in a pit of despair and my life was just about completely gone, I'd called a few of my friends that I knew that had been through treatment and I knew that you know they were in the same junk I was in and now they weren't and they were set free and I'd call them sometimes in the middle of the night and, and talk to them because I was just right on the edge of just... Stepping over the line and saying, I need help. See, what was happening in my life, I didn't know it then. I was saying to myself, why am I doing this? Why sit here till I die? And so by God's grace, I crossed the line of commitment. It was an action of faith. God met me there and delivered me. And you know something? He's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for all but there must be a response and many times a change of mind. Amen? So my father is looking for people just like me and just like you who will rise up and who will move. They will move. Move. Is there any area of your life that you can think of tonight that needs to change? See, we want easy changes. We want presto miracles. We want things to happen immediately. But I believe many times God is waiting for our response of commitment. You know, it might be you're in debt up to your ears and your eyeballs and you have this habit, this whatever it is, where you just you just you're a spendaholic. And you just keep spending when you don't have it to spend. Why sit here till you die? Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you go to the Dave Ramsey seminar? Why don't you get some good prosperity books? So he says, well, you know, Pastor, I know your testimony, where you, where you came out of. I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't addicted like that, but there's, but there's this food addiction. Yeah. Yeah, there's, this, there's this tendency to, to do this and to look at this and to do things that just seem to be driving me. Why sit here till you die? Come on. Come on. Why don't you hook up with the secrets of sobriety? coming in August. Why don't you let seasoned ministers like me and Brother George and others share with you what has helped us stay sober, not only sober, but sane. Yes. Yes. 
sober and sane. I know a lot of people that are sober, but they're insane. Because they're acting just like they did before they were, well, never mind. They call them dry drunks. Why sit here? Well, our marriage, Pastor, you know, it's just, man. My wife and I, we, we've been married a number of years, but it just seems like our relationship has gone to pot. I don't mean medical marijuana. I mean gone, <laughs> gone south. And, you know, it's just, man. The church has answers. Because the church is a word church. Amen. And the church follows the Bible. Why sit here till you die? Why don't you get involved in Marriage 101? Why don't you get involved in community? Why don't you get involved and do something about it? Hallelujah. Well, I used to go to this church, you know, Pastor, and it just seems like you're a little dry. I'm not dry. You're dry. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not dry. I'm not. I'm not dry. I'm not, I'm not going to be dry. <laughs> No, I've been wetter at other times. But, you know, Pastor, my walk with God just doesn't seem like it, you know, used to be. And, you know, I'm just not, you're just not feeding me anymore. Well, you can do something about that. This is not the church's problem. This is a problem of spiritual dryness in your life. Usually the people that complain the most about not getting fed are not feeding themselves at home. And they're not praying at home. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Come on, somebody, shout with me. Woo, glory to God. But you don't have to die on the vine. You don't have to sit there all dry and dead. You can stir yourself up. You can get in the Word. You can get in praise. You can do a little dance and hallelujah hallway. Amen. I think you got the point. Be a good Sunday morning message. Other examples real quickly and we're running out of time. Another example is a woman with the issue of blood. Basically she said... What in the world do I want to go to another doctor for? I've suffered many things of many physicians and I've not gotten anything better, but I just seem to get worse. My 401k is down to nothing. Getting tired of paying 2000 a pop for whatever it might be. Ever been there? She got fed up. Sometimes you just need to get good and fed up. One day she heard of Jesus. Faith must have come to be healed. But she just didn't hear. She came in the press behind. (laughs) And she touched the hem of his garment. Glory to God. She touched the hem of the master's garment. Now listen, for she said, what you say is an action of faith. It is part of being a doer of the word. Speaking the word from here out of your heart is doing the word. 
You better believe it's doing the word. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I tell you what, I'm going to be whole. And she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. The master stopped. He knew something or he knew that somebody had touched him. It wasn't the touch of curiosity. It wasn't the touch of, oh, let's touch the master. It was the touch of faith. His disciples tried to talk him out of it and said, Lord, look at the great multitude. What do you, how can you say who touched me? He says, somebody touched me. And she fell down before him and told him all the truth. But you see there, she didn't sit there till she was going to die. She rose up. Her enemies were scattered. She acted on her faith. Let's raise our hands and thank him. Come on, let's pray a little bit in the spirit. Sambro Keshtevas. Sapaline. Sapaline la propaya. Mmm, quesito. Hallelujah. Nesipola paliana. Ene nesekolopola dishe. Ala en sola propaye. I sense in my spirit, someone has said within themselves, I've done, I've done everything I know to do. I've done everything I know to do. Then go to the Lord and fellowship and commune with the Holy Spirit and he'll show you more of what you need to do. I could be rude about it and say it this way, but I don't want to be. But I could say when people say, well, I've done everything I know to do, then you don't know enough. So there's more to know. And there's more to do. And sometimes we have to spend the time with the Lord because different tests, different situations we face, God will give you a word on what you should do. Pastor Tom may go through a similar test than Pastor Mark, but the Lord may deal with Pastor Tom to do something perhaps unique that he would have him do from the Holy Spirit. We all have the Word. And then he may deal with me differently. Amen? Amen. So don't want to be rude, but I don't know everything, do you? (laughs) Oh, thank God for what we know. Oh, but thank God we can know more. And then when we know more, becomes the responsibility of doing more. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. Say, man, I'm walking free. Walking free. From all fright. And everything. Going to be all right. Hallelujah. Let that be your take home tonight. Amen. Everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Awesome. Well, it's been wonderful being here tonight. Love y'all. See you soon.